My name is David. Um, last week, uh, we started up a new conversation that's built into a much larger discussion about the good life that God has for us, especially through the priority of stewardship. And everyone here was so excited to hear about stewardship last week, right? It was amazing. And listen, if you missed it, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or the live stream. Um, but for now, today, just here's just a quick recap as we get into the, the next section. Last week we learned that as human beings, we were created from the very beginning to be stewards of God's good world. What are stewards, you ask? Let me explain. I got a definition up on the screen here. It's a person that acts as a surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estates. Second definition, the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Remember, this is a middle school level definition for all of us. But this is why God made us. This is the definition. This is our purpose, to act as a surrogate by overseeing, managing, and protecting something considered valuable, and that is the world. That is creation. And we see this identification given on the first page of our Bibles in the story of creation. Check it out. If, you, uh, if anyone here is wondering why you're alive, this is it from 40,000 feet. From Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. This, the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. And friends, while we are not Adam and Eve, this identification is our inheritance. It is our reason and our purpose to go as stewards and reign over creation on God's behalf, to fill the earth and govern it, bringing order to the still chaotic parts of God's good world. This is our role, to do what God would do like God would do it out in the world. Amazing. This is the stewardship that we have been given. But for anyone last week or today that you're thinking like, man, why... Have we been given this job? Why have we been given this role? Like, why can't we just go and do our own thing? It's my life. Why can't we just make our own way? Well, we find the answer in Psalm 24. We just said it a moment ago. It's in verse 1. It's on the screen. It says that the earth is the Lord's. This is why. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to who? To him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. We were made, friends, from the beginning to do things God's way, on God's behalf, because the earth is his. He made it. You didn't make it. He made it, just like he made you, which makes you his too, whether you know it or not. We exist for his glory and because of his goodness, but not to simply eke our way through life like so many often do. No, we exist in his image so we can rule alongside him with his authority and his power to show the world what he is like. What an incredible honor we've been given. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can you believe it? God loves you. Yeah. 
God loves you and believes in you enough to press into you his image and fill you with his spirit, giving you everything you need so you can actually step into your calling, into your purpose, and into your true identity as stewards. And I need to remind you that God could have done anything he wanted with you. He's God. He could have flexed his power and made you a slave or a creature to abuse for his own ego or self-indulgence, but instead, because of his great love for the world, he chose to make you his family. He could have made you a slave, but he made you his family. And he empowered you to be his proxy out in the world for grace and justice and compassion and mercy and excellence and righteousness and love and creativity. He made you to be like him out in the world. And this is where we ended last week from talking about stewardship with the shift in perspective, where we acknowledge that everything we see, everything we see belongs to Jesus. Everything we see belongs to Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But we also learned as his stewards that we're not being left out here. As his stewards, it means that the entirety of creation has now been entrusted to us. Everything we see belongs to Jesus, but everything we see has been handed over to us, entrusted to us to help shape and govern with open hands for his glory so they might see God in our lives. And this is the good life that God has for us of stewardship, this priority of stewardship, of being his steward in the world through the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. That's week one. Got it. Amen. Well, as we continue today, I want to talk about how this shift in perspective, this update to our reality as God's people and our identity, how it actually plays out in us practically. Or how this identity of steward is intended to change the way we think and engage with the world around us. Specifically in the way that we choose to see with our eyes, acquire with our hands, and hold with our hearts onto the creation that we were created to govern. Today I want to talk about how we see and treat our possessions as stewards. And if you're taking notes, here's kind of the overarching idea I want you to take home with you today. God wants you, as his stewards, to live a life of simplicity. I'm just going to say it one more time. God wants you to live a life of simplicity. Now, please don't hear me say that, that God wants you to live a life of scarcity, because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that he wants you to live simply, which is defined as this. It'll, it'll be on the screen. Second definition for the day. Simplicity is, is simply the freedom from complexity, intricacy, or division into parts. And this is what God wants for you and for me. This is what God wants for his people, that you would be free from complexities, that you'd be free from divisions or elective complications that might distract you from your assigned purpose as a steward, that you would choose simplicity. But, but, but why does this matter? It matters because you were made by God for a reason. You were made by God for a reason, and this reason requires focus. It requires fidelity and faithfulness. For you to be effective in your purpose, in your identity, as a steward of God, you must live with an undivided heart, free from divisions, so you can be loyal to the Lord in all things at all times. And this is the good life. One of simplicity, again, defined as free from complexity, intricacy, or division 
And that makes sense, right? Of course it does, Pastor David. It makes sense that if, if God made you to carry his image out into the world, that he would want the picture you carry to be accurate. Right. It makes sense that, that God wants your representation of him to be consistent and not fractured or distorted. That there wouldn't be all these compartments in your life where you like passionately shine the light of Jesus and then off to the side you've got these caves, these caverns that you try to hide in. It makes sense that God wants us to be steady. He even tells us that in the scriptures, Ezekiel chapter 11. He says it like this. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. This is it. Like God wants us to be his people to keep his commands and faithfully and simply live without complications, without divided loyalties according to our assigned identity. Which again, it makes sense. And I know that no one in here would argue with this reality. The challenge is, as we always address the challenge, the challenge is that as people, we just don't always like limitations. We don't like limit. We are not naturally drawn to a life of consistency or simplicity, because we want options. We want it all. We want life to be a, a buffet of opportunities that we can pick and choose from whenever we want. Like, like a choose-your-own-adventure book, right? Where you, know, you go left or you go right based on what you think will give you the best outcome. It's in us, this love for options and disdain for limitations. It's in us so deep that it's actually written into our constitutional bill of rights, friends. As Americans, we're told that we are entitled to life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. Think about that for a second. The pursuit of happiness. We're guaranteed by our government the right to pursue and acquire what makes us happy. What we think will satisfy and bring meaning and purpose. And this is what we hear. We're, 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 we're formed to think this is real and true. Get what you want. Hold on to it because you deserve it. Choose your own adventure. Keep collecting. Keep acquiring. Keep chasing after all the things you think will make you happy, from careers to relationships to pleasures to cars and shoes and, and, and success and houses and, and any other number of complications that we bring into our lives. The world says you deserve them, that you deserve it. Fill your life, find a place to store it, and then do it again and again. Fill your life with whatever you think will make you happy. This is what we're sold. And while this script friends, is certainly enticing, right? Man, that actually sounds kind of awesome. Find whatever I want and just go after it. The script is enticing. The message is literally destroying creation, both in and outside of our church. This pursuit of self-defined purpose and pleasure and happiness, it is killing us, and it always has. Historically, this perspective has led to countless wars, abuses, marginalization, slavery, even deforestation, pollution, and extinction, destroying creation, right? But even more recently, this confusion, the pursuit of happiness, this confusion and complication of who we are and, and why we're here and what we deserve, these distortions of truth have led to a worldwide epidemic of social, physical, and, and mental health problems from, from stress to depression and suicide, anxiety, addiction, fear, diabetes, insomnia, cancers, heart disease, you name it. The complications are killing us. Mm -hmm. 
They're killing us, not to mention the massive amounts of debt and poverty that come along from this pursuit of happiness. This past week I was watching the news, and I, I don't like to watch the news, so this is just my confession to you, okay? I was watching the news, and did you know that in the United States alone, as citizens, we carry close to $1 trillion of credit card debt. A trillion dollars from its citizens of credit card. That doesn't even include house debt or medical debt, just credit card debt. A trillion dollars, much of which is a direct result of the pursuit of happiness. Buying all sorts of stuff we don't need and even more that we can't afford. But then, because we have all this stuff, we, we then have to build places to put all their stuff that doesn't fit in our house, right? Did you know that there's more than 52,000 storage unit facilities in the United States? 40% of Americans have a storage unit to store all the stuff they acquired to make them happy or to make other, other people happy, the stuff that doesn't already fit in their life. Some of you are like, ah, oh, don't, don't look at me, Pastor David. But here we are, right? We are in a massive amount of debt. Our mental health is a disaster. Our physical health is a mess. And we're the most medicated society in human history. For what? All for the pursuit of happiness. How's that for the good life? Thank you, Fran. I need to get her a chair up here, and she can just be... How's that for the good life? But Pastor David, but Pastor David, that's an oversimplification of the facts. Pastor David, societies are complicated. There's all sorts of generational problems involved and injustices that keep people in places they can't move on from. And, and, and housing prices and, and eggs. Eggs are like $8 a dozen, Pastor. Come on, don't even get me started on my gas bill. And whose gas bill was nasty in the month of January? Everybody. Listen, I get it. I totally understand that the world is a complex environment of interconnected systems and people and places, and, and it's hard, but this is why it's more important than ever for God's people to choose a life of simplicity. That we would have a clear understanding for how God wants us as his stewards to see, to hold on to, and acquire creation as we reign on God's behalf. Because while we can't always control what comes to us, that's obvious. We can't always control the circumstances around us. We can certainly control how we choose to engage with the world around us. So friends, it's, it's up to us how we choose to see creation. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's up to us how we choose to see it. It's up to us how we choose to steward creation on God's behalf. And ultimately, friends, it's up to us to take the power back from creation that we were created to govern over instead of living in bondage to our possessions. Instead of living in debt to our dreams and living in complicated relationships in this endless pursuit of happiness. Friends, it's up to us to live with undivided hearts. Undivided hearts and focused simplicity. And we must. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I just want that to sink in, in just for a moment. Like, process this with me for a second. All the things we hold on to, all the things we so often put in these secondary spaces, all these things that we grant power to as we chase down the American dream, all those things belong to Jesus. Process that for me for just a second. 
Your future belongs to Jesus, whether you know it or not. Your hopes and your fears, they belong to Jesus. So does all the stuff your folks left you in their will. And all the random stuff that your kids leave on the floor that you step on in the middle of the night, all that stuff, it belongs to Jesus. And so do all the minutes and the moments that you give Instagram or Tinder. Same with all the things that you see in your search history on your computer or the time you spend on LinkedIn looking for a different job when you should be loyal to the one you have. Friends, it all belongs to Jesus. It all belongs to everything you see because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And this reality, this reality, it must, we must choose to occupy this, this perspective, one that can be only lived with our whole heart. And so what can we do? This is the question. What can we do to deconstruct the pursuit of happiness so we can step into a life of simplicity? Not just with our possessions, not just with uh, our, our things that we carry with us, but holistically in the way we see the world. How can we live free from elective complications that complicate our already divided heart? What can we do? This is the question. Well, follow me back to, to our opening scripture from Timothy chapter 6. And there's going to be uh, some clarity from Jesus in Matthew 6 as well. It'll be on the screen. I just want to read this for you and let this sink in. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So, Matthew 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will, be, um, will also be. Verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And this is the end. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and, and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So, good stuff. Everyone's hopefully optimistic from here on out. This is going to be great. If you want to have an undivided heart and a lifestyle of simplicity, free from the complications that distract us from our, our imprinted identity from God, if you want an undivided heart, it all comes down to two things, and that's contentment and investment. Contentment and investment. Let's start with contentment quickly. Verse 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let us see, friends, let us see creation that has been entrusted to us, that has been provided for us. Let us see it and say, yes, it's enough. I don't need more to be happy because God has given me all I need to be faithful. Amen. This is contentment. Now, in this first step, again, please don't hear me say 
that we need to just get rid of all of our stuff and live like monks and only buy clothes from a thrift store or like, you know, you know, like bring everything in here and then we all just distribute it out evenly. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm trying to say is God wants you to be content with what you have and not controlled by the desire for more. God doesn't want your heart and mind to be divided between your stewardship, your identity, and your pursuit of more things. Does that make sense? He doesn't want you, verse 9, to fall into temptation and get trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge you into ruin and destruction. A trillion dollars of credit card debt. You were made for more than that. You were made to govern creation, not be enslaved to it. So verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith, and we've seen it. They've, they've wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, quickly, if we can, let's lay this passage, this concept over our modern understanding of happiness and, and how we see it affecting the world. Think about this. Think about how often the world falls into temptation and gets trapped, verse 9, by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge in into ruin and destruction. Think about all, all the, think about how the love for money and pursuit of more has pierced our world with sorrow. It's everywhere we look. So the command is contentment. Let us be content. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, so let us be content. Easy enough? <laughs> Probably not. But it's essential, friends, if we are to live uncomplicated lives. Amen. And I tell you what, I don't want to live a complicated life. Yeah, I want more stuff, but like, I, I don't want the complications that come with stuff. Right. I want a life of simplicity for the Lord, and I just need you to know it's worth the effort. Amen. And so if you're anything like me, it is hard to fall into this trap. Even with the best of intentions, even when you're just trying to be responsible, right? Even when you're just trying to live a good life, the pursuit of more can be such an unnecessary complication in our stewardship. For example, um, a couple years ago, uh, we moved here, obviously, and we had two Subaru Outbacks, and they were wonderful. Can I get an amen for the Subaru Outbacks in the room? Thank you. I see that hand. Um, and they were great. But remember, like, when used cars got real valuable? People were like, hey, you should just sell your cars. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get a bunch of money for these used cars. And so, you know, I went and sold these used cars. But the, I didn't really think about how if you sell a used car, then you have to go and buy a new car, right? And so, um, and so I got all this, this money for our old used cars. And I was like, all right, well, I got to go and figure out the best one for our family. And this, like, search, this pursuit literally consumed my mind. Because why? Because I wanted a Ferrari, or I wanted to be able to like jump over the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle? No, I just wanted to have like a, a responsible car to transport my kids in, right? And, and, and so even though my intention wasn't, wasn't crazy, I, it stole so much of my attention. Acquiring, searching, pursuing. Where in the end, even though it made sense to get new cars, honestly, simplicity in, in, in hindsight might have been just to actually live with what we had. I can't go back, but I can move forward with a healthy perspective, right? It might have been easier to just live with what we had because it wasn't just the car. It was insurance. It was a payment. It was hours physically away from the family. It was hours mentally away from my purpose. And you know, I, I know these things happen. 
Things happen, and we all go through seasons where things get complicated. But I find that so much of the distraction we face is elective. So much of the disruptions we face are elective and even welcomed as we pursue what's next. So what can we do? All right, if you want to grow in your contentment, I know you do. We all do. That's why we're at church. If you want to grow in your contentment, these are some questions I want you to keep at the front of your mind. They're not on the screen or anything, so just, just listen with me. A couple questions when you think about the future in your pursuits. The question number one is, do I need this thing? Do I need this thing I'm pursuing or I'm holding on to? Do I need this thing I'm pursuing or holding that now occupies my mind and holds my attention? Do I need it? Second question, does this thing I'm holding or pursuing, this creation I was made to govern, does this thing simplify my life or create divisions in my heart? Third question, does this thing I'm pursuing or holding, this creation that I was made to govern, always bringing it back to stewardship, does this thing I'm pursuing or holding help me show the world what God is like? And lastly, does this thing I'm pursuing or holding, does it complement my identity or does it distract me from my purpose? These are the questions that I'm wrestling with on a daily basis, and I'm sure that you could add more to your own story. But if you want to grow in contentment, then you need to be liberal in the application of these questions in your life. Bring these questions into your career. Is this thing I'm pursuing helping me show the world what God is like? Bring these questions into your family dynamics. Bring these questions into your budget and how you spend money. Honestly, guys, bring these questions into your storage unit and all the stuff that you're holding on to. Lay it over your relationships and time management. You're scrolling on TikTok. Lay it over your entire life. If, if the thing doesn't help you steward the world better, maybe it's time to get rid of it. And maybe that means for you literally simplifying your life by spending less money. Maybe it means selling something that takes up too many hours to pay for. Maybe it means cutting ties with a relationship that steals your joy and holds you to your past. I don't know. I just know how easy it is to complicate my life with all sorts of lesser pursuits of happiness. Where God is, is here and now and he's offering true contentment. If we're just willing to let it go. If we're just willing to see creation for what it is that the earth is the Lord's and we didn't bring anything into it so we can't take anything from it. So let us be content. It's the first step to simplicity. It's not having less. It's in choosing to have less distraction so you can invest in the things that will truly last. And this is the second step for today. Second thing that we'll be covering, last thing we're covering, you're welcome. As we choose contentment, we must rethink our investment. As we choose contentment, we must rethink our investment or what we give our time to, what we give our talents to, and what we give our treasure to. Because again, like it or not, everything we have been given to steward that belongs to the Lord, everything we've been given to, to steward will eventually and inevitably go somewhere else. Eventually, it will disappear. And so it is up to us 
how we choose to hold on to it for the time that we have it. It's up to us how we choose to hold it, but also where we choose to place it. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6. He says, don't store up the treasures on earth where moths and, and can eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal them. But 20, verse 20, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, he's saying, invest your life in the eternal. Invest your life in things that will last. See your purpose, your meaning, your, your treasure as an extension of heaven. Store your life there in response to eternity, not the temporary. Jesus is saying, invest in the eternal. See it and call it and put it where it belongs. Verse 22, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Your eye is when your eye is healthy, when you seek first the kingdom of God, your whole body is filled with light. But verse 23, when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actual darkness, how deep that darkness is. And this is the crux of everything. You cannot serve two masters. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. It's just too complicated. It's too complicated. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot be enslaved. You cannot love God and be enslaved to the pursuit of happiness. You can't serve two masters. Something's got to give. And we know that. We know that there's just too many complexities to be consistent. There's too many distractions as you try to create these elaborate compartments for the loyalties in your life to live. God made you to have an undivided heart, to live a life of simplicity as his steward. But the choice, friends, I wish it was my choice for you, but the choice for this is really up to you. And you have a few options to really pick as we kind of make our way to the end of this message. You can pick the good life or you can pick the pursuit of happiness. Now you might be thinking, oh, do they have to be mutually exclusive? Not always. The output might not always be different, but the intention is. So will it be the good life or will it be the pursuit of happiness? Will it be simplicity or will it be complexity? Will it be contentment or will it be chasing desire? Will you invest your life in the eternal or store up your treasure in the temporary? All of these things are up to you. You can't control everything that comes to you, but you can control where you put it. God made you for the good life, a life free of unnecessary complications and stress, a life of contentment and peace and simplicity and investment in things that last, a life of simplicity, faithfulness, fidelity, but it's up to you, y'all. It's up to you to see and believe that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's up to you to choose to live and reply to this perspective, this reality. So I just want to leave it there today. We're going we're gonna to dig in a little bit more next week, but I just want to leave it there because, you know, there's a temptation in me, even now, to try to convince you to do this kind of coerce you into doing good or following these instructions. There's this temptation in every pastor, okay? Like, we just, we love you and, and we want to be able to see you live a life that is filled with peace and, and purpose and promise. But even if I try to convince you to do something today, unless you choose to make it an extension of your identity, it'll never stick. And so let me just finish with this today. One more reminder. If you're a Christian 
And I know many of you in this room would say, I am a Christian. If you are a Christian, then you are not your own. Your life does not belong to you. Everything you see, including you, belongs to Jesus. He is the Lord, you are the steward. And from here to heaven, it is your chief aim and primary mission to live out that intention by showing the world what God is like in everything you do. But you cannot show the world what God is like through your own pursuit of happiness. The world will not know God through your own pursuit of the American dream. It is not until you begin to walk with open hands truly with all you've been given and steward what you have that you've been entrusted to like Jesus would with simplicity. It's until then that the world will ever see what God is like in you. You cannot have it all. The good life is not a buffet of opportunity for you to pick and choose from when it suits you. The good life is an intentional decision. The good life is an intentional decision to live an uncomplicated life of focused faith for the glory of God and the good of others. Amen. This is why you're alive. And ultimately where you will experience the best life can be. I know it's tempting. I know that we are being formed by all sorts of inputs coming at us every single day, every day. I know that, that there is this allure to be able to, to chase after the things that we think will satisfy, but I just need you to understand, you will never experience the best life can be until you begin to see yourself as a steward, until you begin to recognize that truly everything you see belongs to Jesus. And so that's it. Feeling good? <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. Um, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to be continuing this next week. Um, but I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you being here because I know that this matters to you. And I just want to pray as we close that this would just continue to sink in, that we would begin to filter our decisions, the way we see things, the way we hold things, the way we acquire things, all through this lens of what God has for us as his stewards here in the world. So let's pray, and then we can hit the road. Jesus, we're grateful for today. We're so grateful that you love us and you always lead to peace. God, we're grateful that you have given us this identity and this purpose and this, like, this really, this roadmap for what it means to experience the best life can be. God, we ask that you would help us sift through the lies of the world, all of those deceptions, all of those complications that we bring into our life that we think will make it better when all we need to do is trust you. God, we ask that you'd help us filter through those things, that we begin to see each other, our relationships, our things, our possessions, our, our, uh, our passions, our jobs, our goals, our cars, our shoes, our food, everything, God, that we begin to see everything as a gift entrusted to us for such a time as this. But God, we need to be able to hold it with open hands and treat it like you would. And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this input. We thank you for this instruction. But more than anything, God, we're so grateful, again, that you have chosen us to represent you out in the world. And we just got to get, we just got to get a couple things straightened out first. And so, God, just focus our hearts and minds. Help us live lives of simplicity, of contentment, 
of proper investment so we might best represent you out in the world. So God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen, amen. Grateful for you guys. Hope you have an awesome Sunday. Go and see the world like God does and do the same. Amen? All right, I'll catch you later.